You're listening to Tatiana is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Stephanie. And this week we are discussing the seventh, seventh episode of season two of Orphan Black, Knowledge of Causes and Secret Motion of Things. And in regards to spoilers, we are just talking about the show up through episode 207. There are no spoilers for any future episodes. We'd love to hear what you thought about this episode. Send us that feedback to feedback at TatianaIsEveryone.com. Seven episodes in, only three episodes left. Crazy. And this was kind of a crazy episode. It was a crazy episode. The, the thing about Orphan Black, it, it feels like it's going really slow, and it feels like it's going really fast at the same time. And it's giving me, I think, emotional whiplash or something, and I'm gesturing weirdly as I'm saying this. I, I, and I agree, though. I, I feel the same way. So this week's title, it's from Francis Bacon's unfinished, apparently, utopian novel called The New Atlantis. And you were mentioning knowledge of causes. We get a lot of reveals this episode. There's a lot of characters learning things. There are. In, in you know, the secret motion of things, it's, again, sort of going back to that whole idea of people learning about what's been going on before. And how perhaps people's actions have gotten them to the place where they are now and things like that. And the horrible, horrible things that have happened. Yes. So the episode begins with Allison. So let's start with Allison as well. And we see that the the sweet relationship, the oddly sweet relationship that she had been fostering with Vic has... I, I guess that maybe this is like later on even from when we last saw them, right? Because they were making playset mats. Yeah, it sounds like it is, because yeah. that was, yeah, you're right. The last time we saw them, it was Allison asking for his help in making place cards or something for, for her family. And it occurred to me, we rewatched last week's episode before this episode aired, is I feel like maybe Allison opened up to Vic so quickly is because she she clearly didn't want to confess these things to these group of strangers. And Vic wasn't a complete stranger, but at the same time, she wasn't afraid to disappoint him. Yeah, I think it is sort of that thing, like, you know, maybe you're more comfortable saying a bunch of stuff to, like, a new friend or an acquaintance or something, just because it is in that weird in-between space where it's not like you're talking to a complete stranger. Because, of course, Vic knows some of the involved parties, because, you know, Sarah and Felix. But at the same time, yeah, you're right. It's not like she's going to be letting down her family, because clearly she couldn't tell her family, because, you know, she had a long-term relationship to maintain, and of course, Allison's very concerned about appearances, it would seem, so she can't appear to be less in their eyes, I think, is sort of a lot of what that is, so. And she also couldn't tell Sarah and Kasima, because I think for similar reasons, she wants them to think well of her. Right. But we do see her confess to Vic, and Vic just be completely, seemingly terrified of Allison. Which makes sense. For good sense. reason. For good reason. We know Allison can be kind of terrifying. Yes, we do. <laughs> and, you know, that was Allison's sort of friend, and here he's betraying her, so... Or, or is posing as her friend. So, yeah, I think Vic has good reason to be concerned for himself. <laughs> But it made me sad he didn't take the gloves that she admitted him. Oh, those were so great. Those I know, gloves with the missing pinky because he didn't have a pinky. So thoughtful yes. of Allison. And I'm being sincere when I say that because knitting gloves is not a small task. No, 
it's hard with the different fingers, I would imagine, to knit, knit gloves. It's not, like, impossible, but it is trickier than, you know, knitting mittens or socks or anything. Yes, and mittens would have worked for him, for his situation, but no, she went the extra mile and she made gloves. Custom-fit gloves. In her, like, ample spare time in rehab, apparently. I think Allison's a fast knitter, relatively speaking. It Much seems faster like it. than I am. Because it seems she made like it. she made that pair of mittens while she was spending the afternoon waiting for Sarah's call that may or may not have come. Well, given how quickly Allison walks most of the time, I can imagine she would be a, a fast knitter. She would be efficient about it, yes. Yeah. I I buy that. But yeah, it was it was it was so sad to see Allison think maybe she's kind of making a friend. She knit him gloves and then she overhears him talking to Angie. It really felt like Vic the Dick was coming out in that particular conversation. Yes, and now I'm hearing in my head Allison going, I made those! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So this leads to her bargaining with Vic to not tell Angie her her deepest, darkest secrets, because she can't go to jail because of her temperament. Because if people touch her in the shower, she'll apparently cut them. (laughs) And then I'm thinking, I wonder if Allison really realizes how similar that makes her to another one of her sisters, by which I mean Helena. She most likely does not, because I feel like she'd be pretty horrified. She would, yes. But I I loved her having to call in Sarah for help. You know, your... What did she say? Something about, you know, your your snitches and your... (laughs) Snitches and rats and something and fuzz. Fuzz. Yes, I like that she called the police the fuzz, and she needs her to clean up her (laughs) (laughs) doo-doo. Because of course she does. And and then, you know, she calls in Felix's help. Well, prior to this, she had called in Felix's help. Was was it just me, or was they were kept sh- showing shots of Felix in the bed, all kind of, like, confuzzled and clearly a little hungover? I was expecting them to reveal that somebody was in bed with him. Me too. I was like, is it Colin? Oh, is it gotta be Art? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> because last we saw him, Art was there. But And in a stunning twist... Yes, exactly. But no, he seemed to... But it's not like anything had happened. Art had just stayed over because they'd stayed up so late investigating. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I'm making stuff up. It's possible. I uh, Whatever. But... (laughs) That would have been a good scene, though. It would have to have Art still fully clothed on top of the covers on the other side of the bed from Felix. And he's just, like, annoyed. Anyway. um... (laughs) (laughs) There you go, fanfic writers. Go for it. Go for it. (laughs) I, I Felix. What would their ship name be? <laughs> Ooh, Felix and Art. Ooh, that. Artix. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> we are in a mood tonight, you well, guys. Well, we've had a white Russian. We decided that we couldn't. <laughs> we we couldn't um, podcast without a little drinky drink after <laughs> after that episode. Oh man. Anyway. But I thought Felix looked great. He was all sedately dressed and very dapper looking. He was he was soberly dressed for rehab. Oh, there we go. Perfect. <laughs> he probably was, actually. But yeah, this it reminded me very much of his yachting look that he adapted to go but, to But Alice. toned down. Yeah, he toned it down though. And he looked really good. So there's my there's my clothes commentary for this episode, <laughs> apparently. She says that now, there'll probably be more later. <laughs> And, but anyway, so Allison and Felix, as is fa- Allison and Felix's want to get into some amazing screw ball comedy once Felix has doped up Vic and he's unconscious and they're trying to move him from Allison's room. And that was, as always, just delightful. And poor Vic face plants into Allison's craft stash. 
And somehow does not come out with some sort of horrible facial wound or laceration. Amazingly. Just a bloody nose. Yeah. And a face full of glitter and some craft feathers, I think, Mm -hmm. on the side of his head. Rather fetching. (laughs) No? Okay. He looked good. No, he looked good. He looked a little bit like he'd been clubbing. Yeah. With yeah. Felix, probably. Probably. But yeah, I liked all of the switching positions of how Felix was trying to carry Vic. And yeah. First he had him sort of across both shoulders, which of course led to Vic getting another head injury. Mm-hmm. And then he's sort of, you know, piggyback, piggyback. carrying him. <laughs> and, Poor you Felix. Know, kudos to Felix for hauling that guy around, because Vic is strong. He's probably, he's very muscly. Mm-hmm. His, you know, very muscly biceps, so he's probably quite heavy. Well, that's, that's he what saying. Felix said when, when he and Sarah were trying to maneuver unconscious Vic, and, you know, Vic sort of fell on top of Felix on the bed, and that's what Felix said. Felix was like, boy, he's heavy. Yeah, but, you know, kudos to him for managing to heft him around the entire rehab center. That was, that was impressive. It was. He's, Felix is slight, but he is fit. Yes. Do you mean fit in the British sense? Both, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of have a crush on Felix. Okay, so we have delightful Allison and Felix antics, and then we have pretty serious development in regards to Allison and Donnie relationship dynamics, where, first of all, she shuns him in the name tag making department with his plain name tag. Yes, which was so Allison. Yes. They're going to get cute name tags, you just get your name. And then she wouldn't give him the name tag, despite his repeated request for his name tag. I thought that was fair. The whole time, I'm like, man, deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) Do not piss off Chris, by the way. (laughs) He has sort of a a confrontation with Sarah more than Allison in the middle, but it leads to him walking in on Sarah and Allison, and Allison just throwing the whole clone experiment thing in his face, and we seem to learn how Donnie was actually recruited for the project was... He had no idea. They didn't have dirt on him. They didn't have, they didn't have, they weren't bribing him, it seems like. He was recruited as a student to participate in a longitudinal sociological study. Uh, So he thought, and that's what he thought that he was participating in when he was contributing data about Allison. Which seems weird to me still. Okay. You don't believe him? Well, I'm not saying that. I'm just, like, why, or, or is this why Leaky keeps talking about how dumb Donnie is? Because... Doesn't that whole thing sound really fishy to you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think Donnie got suckered, and Donnie's not maybe the the brightest. This isn't somewhere where Donnie really excels. Not, I don't mean the thinking department, but just in this type of, of field doesn't really seem to be his thing. Right. I don't know. I just, I think it's so weird that that, that worked, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I suppose so. And and don't get me wrong, I, th- I'm not trying to excuse Donnie keeping secrets from Allison and, and that sort of thing. Obviously, that was not good. Not a good judgment call on his part. But, you know, he does really seem to be fairly innocent as monitors go. Right. No, no, I'm, I'm agreeing with that. I, I do think that Donnie probably meant well. And he did seem genuinely hurt when Allison, like, threw all that stuff at him. Like, it seems like he does actually care about Allison and everything, which we'd had some discussion back and forth when we were talking about the first season episodes, or maybe it was during our Monitors episode, I don't remember now, but because there's always been sort of a a certain element of, you know, is Donnie just part of the experiment? Is he actually, you know, does he actually love Allison? 
And it seems from this episode, the answer to that is yes. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's complicated, you guys. Yeah. Well, I think for sure, if we go back and we look at maybe their relationship in the first season, yeah, there's tension between him and Allison, but how long have they been married? It's some tension naturally develops in people's relationships over time. Allison is not an easy person to get along with. Which is what he says. Yeah. In episode she's, 10. Yeah. She's difficult is what she, what he says. And Allison is difficult. And Donnie was a jerk to her in the beginning of the, of the first season, for sure. Mm-hmm. But, so I guess, you know, this means thinking back to season one, when he was burning things in the field, maybe it really was love letters. He was probably on the phone to Leaky, maybe about it or something, but may- maybe that was genuinely what he was burning and not some sort of secret documentation about Allison. Hmm. But it still could have been secret documentation. That's they- true. That's true. We just don't know. We just don't know. We just don't know. I apparently still trust no one. That's fine. That's fine. But, you know, poor Donnie, Allison really had no sympathy for him. I mean, I think rightfully so. You know, his his participation in this, whether he meant well or not, really has led to a lot of conflict for them and difficulty. Well, it's it's still broken trust mm-hmm. is sure. really the issue, which we see come up several times in this episode. For sure. For a lot of our clones. That is what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She, and it seems like when she lays that whole idea of Leaky having come into their house and conducted experiments on her, you know, that, that shot of Donnie's face at the end of that scene, I'm just like, nothing good can come from that look. Right. That was my thought as well. It was sort of a, okay, for the first time, I think I'm genuinely concerned about what Donnie's about to do next. And I didn't know if it was going to result in something bad happening to Donnie or Donnie doing something bad to somebody else. But it had to be one of those two things. Mm-hmm. And as we see, yikes, he accidentally kills Leaky. That whole scene, I was just like, Leaky, you dumbass, stop talking. I know, he kept smart mouthing him. And yeah, Donnie's kind of a screw up, but he has a gun. And it was Donnie being a screw-up that led, led to, to him getting shot. And I just, I, I really actually really feel sorry for Donnie in this episode. Yeah. Big props to Christian Brune. I thought he was fantastic in this episode. Yes. Especially for, I mean, so much of the series playing sort of bumbling Donnie and <sighs> emotional heft, you guys. Mm-hmm. I thought he did a great job. I mean, I guess he and Allison now have something in common. They both kind of accidentally contributed to somebody dying, but I doubt he's going to go confess this to his wife. Probably not, although you don't know. Yeah. But if he did, maybe she could hook hook him up with Sarah, and she could help him clean out his car. Because Sarah knows how to do that. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) The conversations we have now. This is terrible. Oh, man. So speaking of Sarah, she got some, some fun stuff to do this episode, kind of. Yeah. In there with all the unfun stuff. Exactly. Yeah. She got some more relationshipy stuff. Nothing too terrible happened to her this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that is the the bar by which we now measure. It's not too terrible. It's, it's kind of bad, but not horrible. <laughs> but we, you know, we pick back up with with her at 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 Ethan Duncan's house, and we see this really begrudging relationship that she now has with Mrs. S. Even more, I think, than. We've ever seen it before because of how she feels like Mrs. S has violated her trust. Again, betrayal of trust. Mm -hmm. Long-term relationship, not what you thought it was. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Because of the secret keeping. Mm -hmm. And you can see why Mrs. S did it, but that doesn't make the 
violation of trust any any less. Right. So. And that's what I feel like uh, is the theme for mo- for a lot of these violations of trust is, is so many of them are good intentioned, with the exception of maybe one. So many of them are good intentioned on the part of the person keeping the secret, but it still is a huge violation of trust. Mm-hmm. But I did feel like some camaraderie maybe emerging a little bit again between Mrs. S and Sarah as they were rifling through Ethan Duncan's disgusting house. And here, I mean, there was that whole, I don't know, Ethan Duncan, man. He's kind of a strange guy. He is. Because he spent all that time looking for that metal box. The red box. Yeah. Yeah, And he seemingly was just sort of like, oh, this cute, bumbling, kind of losing his mind old man who just wants this box full of worthless things. But ta-da! It was actually really valuable. Right. And like he seemingly sort of snaps back into lucidity right before they're about to walk out the door. He and mm-hmm. he and Mrs. S, I mean. So did he know that's why he wanted the box all along and was hiding that from Sarah? Does is he hiding it did did he hide it purposely from Sarah? Is what I'm wondering. That is what I was wondering as well. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, back back to Sarah, I guess. We get she finally gets to go back to Kira. She she meets up with Cal and Kira in the RV, and it's super sweet. It is. It was a couple of, of mother-child reunions this episode, because we get Allison seeing Oscar and Gemma for the first time in a long while, and we get Sarah seeing Kira. And I thought that was so adorable, the it, shot of them in bed together. It was. And, you know, how relieved were we all when Kira sees Sarah and is immediately back and, like, you know, Mommy! And is so excited and gives her a big hug. I think I think there was a collective sigh of relief because last interaction they'd had it was it was a little tense because Kira was mad at her. Understandably right. so. Yes. Yeah, it was very distressing for me to see Kira having like nightmares and calling for Sarah and her not being there. I know. Don't get me wrong. Cal was doing a good job, mm-hmm. but but I was very glad to see Sarah reunited with Kira. Sometimes you just need your mom. It's true. It's true. And I guess, you know, sticking with Kira, she, this episode was so sort of interwoven plot-wise, it's hard to kind of separate out the plot line. So we're just going to talk about it. So in between episodes, it seemed like everybody was talking about the baby teeth. Mm-hmm. The baby teeth that Dyad had, and if they were Kira's or not. And apparently they were, and they offered a very plausible explanation, I thought. As they often do. This is kind of what I'm enjoying about this season, especially, because the entire week between episodes everybody's wondering what the hell everything means and if we're being told truths or lies or what's going on. And basically, kind of every week, everybody's like, well, clearly they want us to think this, so it's not this, right? And then they tell us what it is. And it is that thing that we all thought it couldn't possibly be. But then they give us a reason that nobody had, you know, really expressed, or at least not that I'd seen. And I'm loving it. And I must say, when I first saw this and they revealed that it was Kira's baby tooth and she lost it in her accident, my first reaction was, but but Leaky was talking about the plur- pluripotent stem cell line from baby teeth before Kira had her accident. But now I'm just like, okay, maybe that was just a convenient cover for the fact that, you know, he got the tooth from Kira. Because it's quite possible he was working on a pluripotent or another line of pluripotent stem cells from baby teeth. We remember last week... I think it was Delphine was telling Cosima that they'd been searching for a match, essentially, for who knows how long. So I'm I'm going to take it that they were working on it already, or or the technique or something, maybe, is what they'd been working on, but hadn't actually had the one to match the clones. That makes sense? Uh, that makes sense. Okay. 
And Sarah really seems to, at the end of this episode, you know, she climbs in her car with Kira and seems to be heading back to Dyad once Kasima calls her and sort of tells her the situation. And Kira does that incredibly, like, heart-wrenching, you know, kind action where she pulls out a loose tooth to try to help because she wants to help Aunt Kasima. So sweet. So sweet. I so love that So like kid. her mom, really. Yeah. Yeah. In In that way that, you know, Sarah would go to great lengths for them, too, as much as she would kind of act like she wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But it's weird to me to think of Sarah just driving Kira back to Dyad and just handing her over. I gotta feel like she is gonna try to leverage something so that that doesn't happen. I don't know. It just, it, cause she spent so long trying to keep Kira out of their grasp. I know. I have a lot of questions about all this, which I assume they will address next week. Right. But right. I, I guess the only thing I can think of is that before they didn't know why they were so desperate to get their hands on Kira, but maybe now Sarah has context for it. And maybe she's not even going to officially go to Dyad. Maybe she's going to go to Kasima mm-hmm. specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would make sense to me. Yeah, uh, that's kind of what I was thinking would happen all along, was that Kira would be key to curing Kasima and the clones, other clones' respiratory illness. But it would be kind of a secret thing, like, aha, I have the magic bullet that's going to clear us all. Who knows where it came from? You know, type of thing. (laughs) So maybe using that whole, you know, we keep talking about how Dyad has stated that everybody's really compartmentalized. Maybe they're going to use that in their favor. And Kasima, maybe with the help of Delphine, hoping that they resolve their issues, at least enough to work together again. Maybe they'll, you know, go through through the process that way and, you know, just go around Rachel and the terrifying official people yeah. of Dyad. So very curious about how that's going to play out this week. But let's talk about Sarah in rehab, because that was very enjoyable. <laughs> oh, Sarah. Sarah as Allison again, which we haven't seen since 106, I think, Variations Under Domestication. I think you are correct. This is the first time we've seen... Sarah pretended to be another clone since... Well, like, she pretended to be Rachel on the phone in episode 204. Mm-hmm. But she hasn't actually tried to do the whole nine yards, or more or less nine yards. She, it, this was not her best attempt <laughs> since, <laughs> well, she since had the no premiere. Prep. Yeah, it's true. She had no prep since the premiere. All she had time to do was grab a headband. Grab a headband. <laughs> I mean, good thinking. Good thinking. I, I like the, the hand to the forehead hiding the fact that she didn't have bangs. Cute. So she has, you know, I kudos to Sarah for showing up. I, I like that we're really seeing Sarah's, I feel like several times we see Sarah's protective side for the other clones really come out in this episode. And partially that happens when she and Donnie are role-playing, or as she put it, so I'm I'm pretending to be Allison, pretending to be Donnie. What did, what did she say? <laughs> so I'm Allison pretending to, to be, be Donnie, Donnie, I think is how she phrases it. But I just, I, I love that too, that she has to keep reminding herself that she's Allison. Yeah. And her accent keeps slipping. slipping and yeah. It's so great. It's fantastic. It, and I and I loved uh, Donnie pretending to be Allison too, with his hand <laughs> to his chest. and One hand on his chest, the other on his hip. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Christian Brune was pretty fantastic in this episode. Indeed. Indeed he was. And so, yeah, that, that whole role-playing scenario was just fantastic. Her trying to give opening remarks about hopheads. And, <laughs> and Yvonne just, like, shaking her head. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Allison, move on. 
Oh, but yeah, in the whole, again, talking to Donnie or role-playing as Donnie, and and she just kept referring to herself as Allison. Allison. And, oh, Donnie's being like, who are you being? <laughs> <laughs> you better be nice to Allison. <laughs> you need to listen to Allison's words. <laughs> Whatever it was yeah. that she said. <laughs> Which is, again, the same, pretty much the same message she delivered when she pretended to be Allison before, was that Donnie needed to be nice to Allison. Right. It was sweet. I mean... I really Sarah do love was Sarah. a disaster, but it was sweet. Yes. And we got that, that weird, weird scene between Sarah and Vic, also in rehab, where Vic's trying to make amends, but also wants her back. <laughs> and then is expecting her to apologize to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and she, I think she does eventually legitimately apologize and just say, you know, we were both disasters and that relationship was terrible. But I found most interesting her reaction to his mention of Paul, who I believe he refers to as Nailgun Ken, which I like. Oh, was that what he said? I think so. I missed it. Nailgun Ken doll, I believe, is what he called called Paul. I'm, I'm thinking about it. I don't think I can think of a better possible nickname for him. That's pretty good. I like it better than Big Dick Paul. Yes. <laughs> and, and And she just kind of has no reaction about Paul. And then Felix is all, wait until you, you know... You haven't seen the other one. He's like, there's another one. <laughs> and I thought that Sarah and Cal had a very sweet little reunion when she when she met up with him at the RV in the boatyard. You know, they had a nice smooch and a little, like, flirty, hi, I'm Cal. Hi, I'm Sarah. It was cute. I'm it not was... that kind of girl, you know. <laughs> and it is nice that there is that sort of lightheartedness to it because Sarah gets so little of that. Mm -hmm. Especially this season. It's just been like, go, 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 go from one disaster to the next. And, like, even... Even in the first season with Paul, even their sort of sweet moments almost were inevitably ruined by the situation they were in. Mm -hmm. um, there was the beginning of episode eight, I think it is, where they wake up in Felix's bed and and he's kind of snuggling into her. and He's and, being smooshy-mooshy house cat, Paul. Yes, but then almost immediately he starts talking about, we can't go back to the apartment. And she's all... <laughs> and then she, yeah. she sort of shushes him. Yeah. <laughs> but then he won't stop talking about it and then she gets annoyed. Anyway. But, but it's nice that this wasn't that, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And it seems like, it seems like we can trust Cal, but both you and I, <laughs> because the show has made us so paranoid. That last shot of him after she, after Cal says his very sweet, very sweet goodbye to Kira, where he tells her to call, call him if she needs anything, you know, the no, do you remember the number we practiced? It was a very sweet goodbye. It was very parental. Yes. After they've driven away and that shot of him standing outside the RV in the boatyard, it just, it lingers. And lingering shots are always suspicious. Or we're always suspicious of lingering shots. I'm not sure. It's one of the two. Yes. Either they're suspicious or they're making me suspicious. I think they were just holding the shot because they wanted to include Cal lowering his head before they cut to the next scene. Because it, it cuts pretty quickly after he does that. However, I'm with you. I'm just like, what, what, what? What is he about to what, do? What is he going to do? Yeah. This can't be good. Yeah. So I want to trust Cal. And we really don't have any reason not to trust him yet, but the lingering. Especially since he seemed to discover that his computer had been hacked. The camera had been hacked and they were watching. And so it wasn't safe. So he ditches the computer. And I'm telling you, that guy should put like a sticker or a post-it note or something over his camera on his laptop. Which is, is actually the case for your laptop, which we're using right now to record this episode. It has a post-it note over the camera. If you hack me, you won't see anything. Just pink. <laughs> Just pink. <laughs> that is not a challenge. <laughs> Please do not hack me. 
So, Cosima and Delphine. <laughs> I know. Ugh. Was that a wounded puppy sound? It was kind of a wounded puppy sound. You're the puppy. <laughs> Stop flirting with me. <laughs> so, again, we get these really intimate, close-up, kind of semi... Not really sexy, but like sensual shots. Yes, sensual is a good word for of it. Of Delphine touching Cosima or kissing Cosima, and it's, kissing and touching. Yes, it's during a medical procedure again. Yes, I know all the Cofine slash Science Girlfriends fans are like really wanting a love scene, but we just keep getting these sort of loving medical procedure scenes, and it's interesting to me. Yeah, I know it's not what everybody wanted, but. There's something sort of interesting about the fact that they're playing it this way. And I, I kind of wonder if they're, if they're going this route because they're trying to really focus on Delphine's feelings for Cosima mm -hmm. and downplaying the, oh, she just thinks she's hot factor. Because the, I feel like in particular their conflict in this episode really emerges because Delphine really cares about Cosima. And really wants her to be well and survive, and that's why she doesn't tell her that she that Scott figured out that the stem cells that they're using in her treatment came from Kira. She meant well in doing that because she wants so very much for Cosima to be okay. Right. It's desperation that is fueling the deception. Exactly. And yeah, it is interesting because again, we have this whole the theme of broken trust and in this case, especially, I, I feel it's really understandable because I don't think there's anybody who would, you know, say, oh, here's a solution that might save the life of your loved one and would be like, Psh, I'm not going to do that. Nobody do that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's understandable, but at the same time, there are so many lies. And so you understand where Kasima's coming from, too, getting mad at Delphine. And oh, for sure. Like, I complete, I think. Cosima is completely right in being upset with Delphine, mm -hmm. feeling like she stepped on her autonomy and her ability to make decisions for her medical treatment. I completely understand where Cosima is coming from. But at the same time, I just want to shell at the screen and just be like, Cosima, it's because she cares. You know? <laughs> just want to be like, reconcile, you guys. It's because you care too much. <laughs> And yeah. this is stressing me out more than I'm already stressed out. And you've got, you guys both have enough to worry about. <laughs> But I feel like this is very much coming back around to pretty much the same conflict they had in the first season, where Delphine, in with best intentions, wanting to protect Cosima, wanting to keep Cosima safe, deceives her and spies on her, and a similar kind of confrontation where Cosima tells her to get out. Uh, so they haven't... I mean, Delphine needs to learn some lessons here. I, she means well, but she's not going about things in a good way. I feel like I owe it to our listeners to tell them that you did the point when you said get out. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose. It just happened. But note to, to Delphine, do not have intense arguments about things you're trying to keep secret from your coworker in a hallway. Yes. That was very TV. <laughs> it was very TV. Oh, people can hear you. Yes. Hallways don't end where you can't see people. <laughs> But yeah, so we didn't and see... And they're often echoey. <laughs> so we didn't see any type of reconciliation between Cosima and Delphine, but we did get the sense that Cosima came around to the idea of needing Kira to progress in her treatment. Yes. And I wish we'd had resolution on the argument, 
but I can see why it wouldn't be resolved yet. Yeah. Because even if Cosima came around on the treatment, that doesn't mean that Delphine's forgiven for the broken trust. Exactly. This show is heartbreaking, you guys. You too. You, they were being too cute at the beginning. You should. You, we could have. We should have known that badness was going to happen. And you're going to tell me if I'd seen the promo, I would have known it anyway. But anyway. Mm. <laughs> but at least we got it a smooch. It had been a while since they'd kissed, and there was some cuteness. And it was very sweet. The gentle touches and the hand holding and. Tati Wislani Man has been in stirrups a lot this season. It's been upsetting to me. Yeah, it's very upsetting to see that happen on TV. It's just, it, it's so weird and intimate and, yeah, it's it's tough to watch. Right. Although this wasn't as hard to watch as the Helena scene. Because that was oh, so bad. Again. Against her will, issues. yeah. Upsetting. And But I will say, just, I thought it was fantastic, the scene where she was yelling at Delphine about not getting the fact that this was her body and her decision. And I really like that, that that's been a big theme this this going season. to say, oh, look, the theme of the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was there in the first season as well, but I feel like this season they've really been hitting home this idea of these are these women's bodies and they're being treated as if they do not have full control over them. Well, because that was the punchline of the first season, essentially, was, you know, right. this organism. We belong to them, yeah. yeah. They own us, yeah. The The ownership issue was really brought up in a major direct way at the end of the first season. So they are following through with that, which they kind of had to do, but it is good that they're noticeably making it a theme of the season, as you say. Yeah. And I thought that scene was really well written and really well acted and just really good. Mm -hmm. But reconcile you two, please. It's making me nervous. (laughs) So Mrs. S and Paul... I was the telling look on your face right now. I was telling Chris before we started recording, I think I kind of ship it. And then I said, wouldn't that be kind of weird? And then Stephanie was like, think about the relationships that Paul has had on this show. They've all been weird. True. <laughs> but but uh, the reason, the reason I kind of ship it now is is in the the scene in Mrs. S's house where Paul's all, and now I see where Sarah gets it from, you know, the tendency to burn things down. He seemed to kind of be maybe grooving on Mrs. S a little. <laughs> was he or were you? <laughs> Possibly both. But <laughs> Let, let's name the ship right now. Shall we call it like um, Terminator Badass? <laughs> International Terminator? <laughs> <laughs> or there's that. <laughs> but anyway, I do kind of ship it a little. I don't know what to think about that, but okay. <laughs> I'm sometimes strange. So, Mrs. S., what is she Ship up to? Ship whatever you want, you guys. What is she up to? Presumably keeping keeping Kara safe. That seems to be her big goal. Yes, I will agree to that. That is the one thing that she's said repeatedly and also, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's been steadfast on that. But we see her, with Paul's help in this episode playing Rachel against Leaky, which is something that she hinted at last episode in their conversation in the car. This idea that he's caught between the two of them, and therefore he, you know, he has his allegiance to himself. And so we see her trying to create turmoil, it seems like, in Dyad. Which she did. Which she did by revealing, yeah, by revealing that, that Ethan Duncan was still alive to Rachel. When first she revealed it to Leaky... Which I thought was interesting, because only an international badass could walk, walk into, into Dyad. Dyad and, like, I'm here to talk to Dr. Leakey. Like, got to his office, which is in a super secure 
portion of the building, apparently. We assume. You, well, no, we saw. No, that's right. We did see. She, you know, Sarah needed that special key card that he that she stole from Doctor Leaky, and this, there's Mrs. S just standing outside. Either she pulled a Sarah, or she like sweet talked her way past the uh, security, or even without the help of a, of a skirt. Well, she's an international badass. I know. I know. I'm just saying, though, she's sexy and knows when to use it. Yes. <laughs> Nobody's arguing that, Stephanie. <laughs> I'm teasing. But yeah, Mrs. S, I want to trust you, but what is going on? What is happening? What are you doing? Time will tell. Time will only tell. So then another reunion that we got this episode, not between a mother and child, but between a parent and child, was between Rachel and Ethan Duncan. Mm-hmm. And it didn't go on for very long. I kind of wish we'd seen a little little more of it. But at the same time, economy of time, we knew what Ethan was going to tell Rachel more or less. So we didn't, you know, given that this show is only 10 episodes long, this season's only 10 episodes long, they didn't stay too long for that reunion. Right. Yeah, I think we actually got more of the conversation between Mrs. S and Paul, whom you now ship, than <laughs> we did from Rachel and Ethan. But I, I kind of did feel a little sorry, a little, maybe, tiny bit sorry for Rachel mm-hmm. when she got all emotional about her father. She did get emotional. I think that's the most emotion we've seen from Rachel all season, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, aside from, like, a moment of, of fear in the first episode. And then subsequent to that, we see her firing slash threatening to kill, but maybe not kill Leaky. Yep. I don't know how to feel about that scene. Because the whole time it was going on, I'm kind of like, is she just telling him all this and then he's going to walk outside and Paul's going to, like, off him or, you know, sneak up on him at home or is he going to run him over with a car when we saw that car pull out behind him? These are all the things that I think during an episode. No, I agree. I felt like she was... Because we've seen Rachel really relish the kind of cat and mouse pursuit with her pursuit of, of Sarah and I was wondering if she was baiting him and making him think, oh, she's showing me some mercy by saying, you know, don't go home, don't go to your car, when really all along she has a dude waiting outside the door to put a bullet through his head. But She just doesn't want the mess in the building. Uh, you know, good point. So, yeah, I, I agree. I, I kind of was unclear of Rachel's true motivations there. But it seemed like she was actually genuinely going to let him go and... Mm-hmm. You know, take his chances. And he, she just let him give her a kiss on the forehead, which was a little creepy. It was a little weird. Yeah. But then, I mean, they made the point that he was sort of her surrogate father after he tried to have her, her parents, parents killed. Tried and half succeeded. Upsetting, you guys. And we got the introduction of another higher up in Dyad this episode with Marion Bowles. Yes. Who's Rachel's boss, apparently. And she's kind of terrifying. Marion Bowles is played by Michelle Forbes, who I think a lot of us maybe know from Star Trek The Next Generation. I don't know how many people listening watch Star Trek The Next Generation, but... And she was in The Killing. Oh, if anybody in watched the first season? The Killing, uh-huh. Oh, who'd she uh, play? The first two seasons. She's the mom. Okay. Okay, then I have seen her before. Yes. She wasn't really terrifying exactly in that, but she's very intense. Mm-hmm. Michelle Forbes I thought is she was a very great. intense actress. Yeah, she was, she was really great in, in The Killing. The Killing. So yeah, I I was looking forward to her being on Orphan Black. I was very excited about it. So I'm interested to see where this has gone, because we mentioned last episode how it felt like, very intentionally, the show had set up these two institutions, science and religion, and, and headed them with male figures. 
very intentionally, but now we've gotten the introduction of Marion, who seems to outrank Leaky in the organization. So I'm curious where they're going to go with her character and, and especially what we're going to see of her relationship with Rachel. Right. And she had that line, too, when she was talking to Leaky about there was some comment about how they didn't see each other that often. And she said something about, you know, and it seems like it's only when you've had trouble with Sarah Manning. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of my moments where I'm like, what does that mean? Was it because he lost her before she was born? And then maybe there was something last season about it. And then now, because again, did he know anything? He said he didn't really know anything about her before. I mean, he seemed to know about, you know, the white whale, which seemed to refer to Helena. So now I'm just, I'm curious about how much he knew and when he knew what he knows. So no Helena or the, and the Prolethians this week. We got a, got an absence from Helena, which is probably a good thing. There was a whole lot going on in this episode, and I, I think they balanced it well. I, they did. Like, it, one of the early episodes, I think it was episode three, I felt like was a little too disjointed, but I thought that they were able to interweave the plots very well this episode. Fair enough. I, I thought they did that really well last episode, too. I mm-hmm. think it was maybe an episode or two before that was, I felt maybe a little more of one character or characters. Oh, that was the one with um, a lot of Rachel and a lot of Helena, mm-hmm. which they did well, but I, I missed the other characters, I think, more than I did in this episode and last week's episode. Because, yeah, I was actually not thinking about the fact that we didn't see Helena and the Prolethians, you know, while we were watching it. it didn't cross my mind. And now I'm worried about Helena now that I'm thinking about it again. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I, it's maybe good that we got a little bit of a break from that. I'm just, I'm waiting for Helena to do what she has to do. <laughs> I.e. destroy them all. If that's what happens, that's that's okay with me. <laughs> Again, I, I glare at both Henrik and Mark with, with hate in my eyes <laughs> whenever they're on screen, I find. <laughs> at some point I realize that that's what I'm doing. Anyway, they weren't in this episode, was what we were saying. <laughs> if we're going to be on topic, whatever that is. But yeah, no no Helena and the Prolethians this week. Only a little bit of Rachel. There's still not enough Cosima for my taste. Thank you very much. But <laughs> y'all might have caught on to the fact that I kind of love Cosima. Not that I don't love the other clones, but... Your wrist tells me how much you love Cosima. Yeah, I have my Cosima bracelet on. Anyhow. And so we are watching the, the this episode with my partner, who has read Brave New World. Neither one of us, we're kind of I, probably bad Orphan Black podcast hosts because we have not, but neither one of us have actually read Brave New World. And my partner mentioned that Leaky working on an artificial womb in this episode is a nod to Brave New World because in that universe they had artificial wombs in which they grew, I guess, the clones. But they say ectogenic? Ectogenesis, that- yeah. Yeah, which means not. In the womb. Yes. Not in a, a human womb. Because you were like, like an ectopic pregnancy? Yes! Because <laughs> that's a pregnancy that occurs outside the womb. Yes. So very good, Chris. Thank you. That Latin taking. Well, I, I do I do latch onto root words a lot. Um, but knowing ectopic pregnancies from... From Grey's Anatomy? Yes, pretty much. <laughs> from watching medical TV shows. That's where I knew it from, too. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm all about root words, you guys. It's pretty nerdy. My dad is often like, how do you know that? That that's what that means. I'm like, um, root word. (laughs) (laughs) I guess circling back to a couple of things we talked about earlier, 
is that the last we've seen of Vic? Or is he still going to be hanging around rehab? Well, now he has head injuries to recover from. So probably he's going to be in a hospital. And his sobriety is out the window. Because yeah, Felix drugged him. I know, him. which I felt really badly about. And I worry, I, about, did too. I worry about how that's going to set him back. Because he did seem to be very, very... Because we were wondering last episode if he was as sincere about his recovery as he seemed to be. And I think he is. Well, he did say something about, you know, getting the work on his missing finger. And he said something about, you know, doing it without anesthesia, basically, because the doctor was offering it to him and he turned him down because it would interfere with his recovery. So, yeah, this is not good, I would think. Yeah. So I did I did feel badly for Vic, for yes. Vic in that regard. And then my other question would be, is, are we going to see sort of the consequence of, you know, Cal's camera turning on? Is Are we going to get confirmation that that was actually dyad are we going to learn it was somebody else and i'm I'm wondering if i'm wondering if we're going to hear about that plot point again yeah i'm curious about it too of course they they knew that cal was involved they said as much earlier this season yes uh, rachel and paul did and also sarah used that computer to skype kasima so are they monitoring kasima i wouldn't be surprised Mm -hmm. it's upsetting but not surprising but yeah, I mean, that that is very risky for Sarah to have called Kasima at her workplace since they're... But I guess now they've at least they at least added themselves to Leaky that they knew each other or had communication with each other. But when she first came to work there, it seemed like Kasima was trying to distance herself from Sarah. When that whole scene where, in the other episode, where they had that conversation, Leaky has the photo that Sarah had shown Kasima. And he was showing it to Kasima, and I couldn't tell that whole scene. Is he showing it to her and asking her about it because he knew that Sarah had shown it to her? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Was he testing her? I'm so it's, paranoid. I know. So am I. The show. This show. Damn it, show. Damn it, show. Thank you. You do it better than I do. Damn it, show. <laughs> Too much? No. Okay. And then another question that I have is, what is going to be the other consequences to Rachel discovering what Leaky did to her mother slash tried to do to her father? Because we see here, she fires Leaky, kind of threatens to kill him, too. (laughs) Or lets him know of the threat of his death, yes. But... You know, she's still working for Dyad. We, We don't get a sense of how she feels toward the organization as a whole given what she has discovered. And I and I feel like we haven't seen the last of the repercussions of that revelation. Mm-hmm. I guess the, the big question is, Leaky's killing of Rachel's mother and apparently attempt at killing her father, we don't know if that was something mandated by Dyad or not. Right. We don't know if that was Leaky acting on his own or if that was the wishes of the organization more as a whole. Right. I think Ethan sort of implies that it was Leaky acting as a neolutionist more than acting as somebody working for Dyad. But one wonders still. And he's he's not exactly the most reliable narrator from what we've seen. And quite possibly he doesn't have the whole picture. Right. Exactly. And now I'm curious too, I wonder if Marion Bowles is going to be, you know, what what is her allegiance now that she's been introduced? For sure. I'm very curious to see more of her character and what her role is within the organization and her relationship to Rachel. Mm-hmm. And then we can't not talk about or at least mention the amazingness that was the scene with Sarah and Allison 
and they had that mirror behind them. I literally did not notice it while watching the episode. I only, yeah, because I mean, everything's just sort of seamless. It's so natural. I don't Mm -hmm. think about it until I see a billion gifts of it on, on the Tumblr. (laughs) And then you think, oh my gosh, you're right. That was amazing. And it was amazing. They're just showing off now. It feels like it's like, we don't have to make this scene this complicated, but we are because we can. We're just going to mess with your minds, and you're not going to notice it the first time, but by the sixth time you watch it, you're just going to be, you know, gobsmacked. And just thinking, how did they do that? And so we got some feedback for this episode. So thank you, everybody who sent feedback. Uh, Janice emailed and mentioned that the Inside Orphan Black segments are available for free on Amazon Instant Video, and they are longer versions than the ones BBC America is airing during the commercial breaks. So if anybody didn't know that, they're available there. I I know they're also on iTunes if you have a season pass, but, you know, if you don't want to pay for a season pass, apparently they are still available somewhere online. So, So thank you for the tip, Janice. And then we got several emails, a couple of which we read last episode, but lots of thoughts on those baby teeth from the previous episode, as we as we talked about earlier. But we wanted to say thank you to Christine and Linda for their emails with their thoughts about where the baby teeth came from. And we had asked about whether rehab was covered by insurance in Canada, and James emailed and confirmed that Ontario's health insurance plan does cover inpatient rehabilitation. But he does add that some of the things on Orphan Black are sort of Americanized more than Canadian, like like gun situations. And then we got an email from Brooke, and she just had a couple of thoughts. First, I just want to say that this little in-show pilot for Mrs. S. International Badass was pretty sweet. I'm really digging her scheming with Sarah. They really are quite a pair. Second, I adore the sexy science-slash-medical scenes between Cosima and Delphine. Anytime science is depicted as sexy is fine by me. I love that their relationship, as rocky as it has been, has something that holds them together. Once cause is cured, I'm swimming in the Grand Canyon of ball pits here. So are we. I'm not sure that they'll hold together very well, though. I feel that a lot of their relationship is now tied to their hunt for a cure. I hope that their shared experience and Delphine's obvious care can change that. And I meant to mention this earlier when we were talking about the, you know, these kind of like sensual scenes mixed with medical procedures was also maybe that was hinting at the fact that Kasima's illness is really is kind of like holding them together at this point. So thank you, Brooke, for that for that email where you talk about that as well. And then from Bob, we got an email. Overall, I thought this was a very strong episode. I have been loving Allison in rehab. I will be sad to see it end. I'm starting to actually get worried about Kasima. They haven't killed off anyone of real consequence yet. And I would say we're worried about that too, Bob. I think we're all a little worried about that. Mrs. S is looking more and more like someone who would never have had to hide from anyone for any reason. And we agree. <laughs> yeah, and which is making me kind of wonder why Mrs. S went into hiding with Sarah uh, in Toronto, particularly like she went into the belly of the beast where, where diet is located by taking Sarah to Toronto. Was that strategic? I wondered about that also. It seems a little strange, but maybe that's one of those, you know, last place they'll be looking for you. Right. I don't know. Exactly. I'm wondering if that was maybe her thinking. 
So then we got several messages on Tumblr from Avery, who is geek spiraling over on Tumblr. And Avery was talking about the convenience of both Cosima overhearing Delphine and Scott talking in the hallway, as well as the the scene where Allison overhears Vic and how she, uh, Avery felt that was kind of lazy writing to get some storylines moving. And I will admit it is very TV convenient, as we mentioned. It makes me really w- wish the show had 13 episodes per season when this ha- stuff happens, because I feel like they get into the writers get to a place where they have to use some shortcuts to fuel the storyline along more quickly. And I think this is maybe an example of that. I've got to say, I'm not really bothered by the convenient overhearing of things, because very often while watching TV, I'm like, why do people not hear this secretive conversation in this hallway? <laughs> because they're having a secretive, top secret, you know, kind of conversation in the middle of a hallway. Who does that? <laughs> or or the, as Stephanie and I were talking about before we recorded, very often there's this sort of the, can I speak to you privately? And then they take three steps away from whoever they're standing by. <laughs> As if that means that person can no longer hear them. Yeah. Just because they're off screen, they suddenly have lost all their hearing. But I did like how these two parallel incidences with Cosima and Allison really delineated the differences between those two characters. Because you have Allison who overhears Vic and she kind of slinks away to regroup and she has to call in Felix and call in Sarah to confront this situation with her. Whereas you have Cosima who overhears it and she just goes and confronts Delphine directly. I was worried for a second they were going to have her not do that, but that would have not felt genuine to me for Cosima's character. So I like that she went ahead and confronted them directly immediately. Right. And I also appreciated that because Delphine had stepped off camera by that point, I'm like, does Delphine know that this is going on? And then she shows back up in the scene and... And I appreciated that also. Like, oh, people are actually capable of hearing things in this show. <laughs> I find it comforting, oddly. Yeah. And I must, and I will, I should say, Avery also mentioned Kira overhearing Cal and Sarah fighting, but I felt like that wasn't used in quite the same way because they were, they were fighting about the fact that Sarah was going to take Kira back. And I mean, I guess maybe having Kira overhear them cemented the fact that Kira did go back with Sarah and that Cal kind of lost that argument because of Kira's gesture for Aunt Cosima. But I don't know, to me, that was just a little bit different. Right. The only action in the episode that resulted from her overhearing that was making the gesture and offering up her tooth for and I love that so much, so I can't really hold that against the writers because I loved that scene so much. Me too. Kira's so great. And so like her mom. And I, I have feelings about it. I know. But I did want to read this this from Avery. However, I'm willing to overlook the lazy-ish writing and some questionable directing, parentheses, too many obstructions, for the director getting some really exceptional performances from our girls. Tat in all four roles this week and Ebro gave us some truly stellar acting. I should say. Tatiana. And Evelyn Brochu, in case people don't know their nicknames on Tumblr. I would venture to say that this was Evelyn's strongest performance so far. Her love for Cosima, fear, and eventual anguish were visceral. Evelyn's delivery of the line, only after I realized that it was working, gave me goosebumps. So moving. All the science girlfriends feels, right? Mm-hmm. We also got some tweets from Greg, who was slightly disappointed with the last episode, uh, it was good, but considering the events of the last two episodes, I did not expect a comedy show. Did love seeing Ensign Rowe slash Admiral Kane. 
by which he means Michelle Forbes, back on TV, though, and looking forward to seeing this character more. I'd probably give it a B-, minus, but it was still decent. Yeah, I'm guessing maybe Greg thought it was going to be more serious, given Helena going back with the Prolethians, maybe? I would assume so. Because, yeah, that in, in the whole situation with Dr. Leakey and Ethan Duncan and with that big revelation that Leakey was a murderer. So yeah, I, I can understand where maybe Greg was expecting a more serious episode. I think definitely we're getting a more serious episode this week. So hopefully some of Greg's questions that he wants answered and situations he wants addressed will, will get addressed next episode. Uh, there are only three left. So we have a few announcements for you about the podcast. Yay, announcements! Yay! And the first announcement being... We have a Facebook page now. I finally set one up. Uh, sorry, people who use Facebook, who were looking for us and we weren't there. Uh, we are there now. It is facebook.com slash Tatiana is everyone. Go there, and if Facebook is your social media network of choice, please like us. Or as I like to say, like us if you like. So we also have a promo now. We have a 30-second promo that is available for the podcast. If you go to TatianaIsEveryone.com slash promo, you can download it there and share it with people if you would like. Or if you just want to listen to it to see yeah. what huge nerds we are. It's kind of nerdy. <laughs> it's pretty nerdy. I wrote most of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, speaking of nerdy things, I just wanted to remind people that we are switching the feed. I promise I'm only going to remind you this probably one more time, but we are switching where the feed is hosted for the podcast. So if you are using some sort of podcatcher program, such as Beyond a Pod, Pocket Casts, some sort of app or program like that, and you experience any sort of glitch where the episodes aren't downloading like they are supposed to, you, I would recommend resubscribing to the podcast. You can do that by going to tatianaiseveryone.com slash subscribe. And there's all the links that you need to subscribe to the podcast there. And we'd also like to thank people who left us ratings or reviews on iTunes. They're so nice. Yes, y'all are very nice. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that and for saying such nice things. We would love to hear your thoughts about episode 207, Knowledge of Causes and Secret Motion of Things. You can email us those ideas and theories that you have to feedback at TatianaIsEveryone.com. You can also go and leave a comment on the show notes for this episode at TatianaIsEveryone.com slash 35. You can also send us a voice message by, by clicking on the Send Voicemail tab on the right-hand side of the website. We're also on Twitter at TIE Podcast. This week, the root word was played by Tatiana Maslany. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.